Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. What's good, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Movement Boxing Podcast. Uh, you know, uh, we got myself, Twine the Divine Liberty of HoopJab.com. And along with my co-hosts, we got 2K the God of the Gods of Boxing Talk. Uh, we got Big Cool of Colossal Boxing Talk. And uh, Hold It Down Solo for the Truth and Facts About Boxing today. We got Bernard. Uh, hopefully we can get Bo on a little later, but he he traveling, you know, so he might step in with us. Uh, but, you know, thanks for joining in on another show, fellas. Glad to be back doing this again uh, on our new time on Sunday right now. Uh, how y'all doing today? Doing good, man. Yeah. Good, man. Good. Blessed. All right, we got a lot to catch up on, considering we are uh, doing this on Sunday as opposed to our typical day that we was doing. Um, first off, uh, we want to dedicate this show to Aaron Pryor, a.k.a. known as the Hawk. Um, he passed away earlier this morning from uh, complications of the heart disease. Um, so we just want to say we want to dedicate this broadcast to him, this podcast to him, actually, and, uh, you know, rest <laughs> in peace, champ. Yeah, rest in peace, man. <clears throat> All right, y'all ready to dive into some topics? Let's go. All right, for sure. Uh, let's start off with our reviews from the fights from last weekend. Uh, <clears throat> not this Saturday, but the previous one. Um, we had a, a women's fight. You know, we like to mix it up and include everything on our podcast, so we will bring up some, some women's fights from time to time. Uh, we had pretty much the queen, the queen of... Women's boxing, you know, Cecilia Brack is taking on Sophie Ann Mathis in a rematch, you know, defending her titles uh, last weekend. Uh, let me uh, get everybody's opinion on this one. Uh, she won by second-round knockout, you know, in a rematch. Uh, let's get everyone's opinion on this one, uh, starting with 2K. Uh, what were some of the things you saw that were different in this fight from the first one? Um, first off, I want to say... Uh... Uh, appreciate everybody coming on, you know what I'm saying, talking boxing with the, with the fellas. This is what we do. This is what we're good at. Um, going into this fight, man, I also want to say that Cecilia Bryce, a.k.a. probably the most beautiful woman fighter out there right now, at least the most dominant uh, woman fighter out there, she pretty much, um, I, the way I had that fight going, I thought it was going to go uh, back to another decision. Um, and it's it's clear because Cecilia Brackett's KO rate is only, what, 28%, which is equivalent to, like, a Pauli Malignaggio or Sergio Mora um, in, in men's boxing. So you don't really see those guys knocking people out in the second round. Um, <clears throat> but she started off doing what she normally does. She'll use a lot of the range. She'll plant. If you're not, if you're not, uh, you're not active, she'll plant. She'll throw a lot of combinations at you, and then she'll get back on her bicycle. Um, uh, I think at the end, the le- later half of the first round of the fight, and Sophie Mathis started stalking her. So in that particular moment in time, that's when um, uh, uh, Cecilia Brackett shows her technical counterpunching ability and her ability to defend. 
she started countering the shit out of Ann Sophie Mathis and almost every punch that she tried to throw. Um, fast forward to the to the knockout, man. Like it all started because Ann Sophie Mathis threw a lazy straight right hand, and when yeah, she threw that straight yeah. right hand, she dropped her left hand, which is rule number like one <laughs> of boxing. You always keep the inactive hand up when you when you're throwing a punch. But she dropped it, and when she dropped it, Cecilia came over the top of that with a right hook, hurt her badly. They they fell into a clinch. Okay, this is rule number two. When you come out of a clinch, always protect yourself at all times. I love Victor Ortiz versus Floyd Mayweather. Also, this is something that uh me and um me and my man Seth, the the, the co-host of my um my channel, everybody knows we still actively train in boxing. This is something we always work on when we work with each other. We get a lot of inside work in. We're holding each other. We, we, we're putting weight on each other. And then uh, whoever's got the gloves on, they'll push off. They'll immediately throw a straight right hand, or <clears throat> they'll immediately be ready to slip a punch from the, from the trainer. Um, in this case, and Sophie Mathis, she gets pushed off by Cecilia Brackett, and her fucking hands are completely down by her side. And at that point in time, Cecilia Brackett lands another right hook which completely hurts her, puts her on clear street. At that point in time, she tries to put her hands up and defend herself, but it was too late. And Cecilia Brackett, can, she ends up landing three more uh, right hooks and leaves her slumped over the ropes. The biggest yeah. thing that I <laughs> – yeah, she, she, was, she was slumped, B. Like, it, was, no. it, it, was, it was pretty it was bad. I felt bad for her, man. But the biggest thing I want people to understand is this, because we hear a lot of bullshit, you know, in the, uh, these boxer communities about – you know, hey, that guy's a pillow puncher. He doesn't hit hard. He couldn't knock out a floor. Well, you got a woman here that had a 28% KO rate. She's now, what, 29-0 with eight knockouts, something to that extent, okay? And she slept this girl as if she was a power punching machine like Gennady Golovkin. It doesn't fucking matter how hard you hit. It's where you get hit, okay? And everybody knows I'm famous for my three spots. You get Name them. The Name them. You, you get hit, exactly. You get hit in the temple. You get hit in the in the uh, back of the ear or the back of the jaw below the earlobe, and then you get hit in the liver. Those three spots, I don't give a fuck if it's a five-year-old child. If he hits you in the right spot, you're going down. And that's exactly what happened in this fight, man. Beautiful fight. Cecilia Brackett remains at WBA, WBO, WBC, IBF, and the IBO. All world. Women, welterweight, champion, undefeated, and undisputed. Nobody's fucking with her. Oh, and also she called out Chris Cyborg. Let me just throw a cherry on top of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, she had some interesting comments after the match talking about that one. That was uh, pretty intriguing to hear her throw out Cyborg's name. Uh, Big Cool, let me get your take on it. Did you get a chance to catch this one, and what were your thoughts on the fight? Uh, I just caught it while, uh, while EJ was talking. Um, I mean, this is my first time seeing her fight. I don't normally watch uh, women's boxing, but she definitely is athletic and uh, elusive and, and, you know, Good on her feet, and like EJ said, she caught her with a, a right hand, and the girl didn't want no more because she turned her in. As soon as she got, got hit good, and it was pretty much over from there. So, I mean, yeah. it was a quick completely fight. Completely turned her back. Completely turned yeah, her back. Yeah, yeah. Once yep. you turn your back, you basically saying you don't want to fight anymore. But I'm going to have to yep. check out some, some more of her fight, but she definitely uh, is a talented fighter from what I saw, and, you know, props to her for being the best female boxing in the world. All right, Bernard, uh, let me put a spin on this for you. Uh, 
Come on, back to the post-fight comments. Um, we normally don't talk MMA on here. That ain't really our, our uh, thing. But she did call out uh, pretty much the reigning dominant force in MMA, uh, Chris Cyborg Santos, uh, at the end of the match. Um, is this a fight or something you would interest, be interested in seeing as far as a cross-promotion happening between uh, you know women's boxing and MMA? Uh, Cyborg has boxed a couple of fights as well. Um, so just, just putting that out there, what would you think about that fight happening? Actually, I would say I would like to see that fight on the basis of giving for Cecilia to get more exposure and for female boxing to get more exposure. That's uh, a good point. That, that's how I see it. That's how that's a, that's why I would like to see the fight. And um, I mean, I really would hope I would before that. For, I'm gonna say this: I would like Cyborg to probably get a couple more fights in before she fights Cecilia. Out of even though she has been in the ring, but because she's been in, been training in MMA, she would basically have to retrain herself not to. I guess we we'll say use her feet and get used yeah. to a ring instead of an octagon. Instead of the uh, octagon. So basically, you know, just give her a couple of fights, and then uh, hopefully, uh, her and Cecilia can get in, get, bring exposure to uh, Cecilia and little female boxing. And yeah, yeah. Um, as long as it's a boxing match, you know, I definitely wouldn't mind seeing that. You know, Cyborg does a lot of hand striking. You know, um, so it'd definitely be interesting to see as long as it's a boxing match and nothing, you know, weird rules or anything like that. Uh, be honest, my be thing, honest, let me let me hop in real quick. Let me hop in real quick. My bad, EJ. I bro. think if it, if it's gonna be one way, it gotta be the other. That's just my opinion. I mean, I think that'll be fair. I mean, I'm not saying they gotta do it, but if you gonna, she called her out. So, I mean, it's only right to agree to, you know, step in the octagon. As crazy as it may seem, but taking yeah. her and putting her in the ring. I mean, that's crazy for cyborgs. No matter how much air strike that she do, she's not a boxer. So, I mean, if you gonna do it like that. You might as well sign up to, you know, face them in the octagon and don't really do it at all. You know, that's just my opinion. Well, well, Cyborg has done a lot of different types of uh, mixed martial arts. She doesn't just stick to the UFC. She's actually done boxing. She's done kickboxing. Um, and that's actually where we've seen her lose. She lost to Erica Paez uh, almost, what, 11 years ago uh, yeah. in a kickboxing match where they didn't have a lot of the rules of the UFC. It was more of a stand-up. It was all stand-up, um, and when there was a lot of uh, punching um, technique or boxing techniques involved in that fight, and she lost. Now, if she would have fought Erica Piaz in the octagon, she probably would have knocked her ass out in the first round. But uh, since there was more stricter rules in that fight, as there would be in a boxing match, she lost. So, I mean, if Cecilia Brackett, she knows what she's doing by calling her into a boxing match because poor Chris Cyborg is uh, the most, uh, how can I say, her skill set not the greatest when it comes to restricting her, boxing or restricting her to just win. So, I mean, I agree. If you call it out, it'd be on like the but we don't know what that call out was about. Yeah, that's smart on her, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, Cyborg is likely to take it, you know, out of all the females, you know, that, you know, fight, you know, UFC or MMA. So, I mean, it'd be a good fight. I'll watch it. And at least there's somebody willing to fight her, you know, since Ronda Rousey won't do it. But that's a whole other topic. Uh, <laughs> just just, just to follow up uh, on y'all's comments about the fight. Um, I had mentioned in 
our last uh, episode about, you know, something that was more effective. She looked better doing uh, in the first match that she didn't use a lot of, which was her jab. She actually used it in this fight, and it, it paid dividends as it came, you know, brought the early knockout. So thank you for following my advice, Cecilia, and uh, we will be getting married in about another year. So look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, your dreams, your dreams. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, that's bring, that brings us to our next topic. Uh, we had another fight uh, last weekend between Joseph Parker, you know, top heavyweight uh, rated or top rated heavyweight Joseph Parker going against Alexander Dimitrenko. Um, he won the fight by third-round knockout, uh, marred by a little bit of controversy towards the end. But uh, we'll go ahead and pass it on to TK to, to, to get his take on the fight and everything that happened. Uh, a little bit of controversy. Well, I made a, I made a video on this, man, uh, one of the most recent videos on my channel, The Gods of Boxing Talk. And I was a little um, surprised that there was not a lot of people talking about what happened. And it could be – for the fact that people want to see Anthony Joshua succeed at a um, at a very fast pace, so they can get him in there with uh, that's Anthony Joshua. My bad. I mean, they want to see um, Anthony or Joseph Parker. Excuse me. I always get those names because they want to see Joseph Parker succeed at a high rate, so they can see him get in the ring with Anthony Joshua as soon as possible. Um, his last two fights are fired in controversy. It's not just this one. The last fight against Solomon Hamanu. Um, you've got the ringside commentator and the timekeeper of the match uh, tell a, a, uh, a UK uh, magazine that the referee missed four counts on the count. When he knocked down Solomon Hamanu, uh, the ringside commentator was like, yo, the referee was at eight. He did not count him out to ten. Solomon Hamanu got up at eight, you know. And then the, 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 the timekeeper was like, man, he missed four seconds in the count. In this fight, um, while it was in the first round was an excellent, excellent knockdown. My man threw a jab from the outside, and then he kind of weaved his way in and landed a right hook, put uh, Dimitrico on his knees. Um, after that point, Dimitrico looked like he didn't want to be in the fight at all, but it still does not dismiss the rules of boxing. Fast forward to, uh, to round three, I think um, Dimitrico was coming in. He was throwing his own jab, and he was coming inside. And uh, Parker landed a short jab. There's no, no power on it, no, nothing on it. It didn't hurt Dimitrico. But he landed a, a short jab. They go into a clinch. As they go into a clinch, Joseph Parker's leaning on the back of him, on his back, forces Dimitrico to one knee, clearly on one knee. Yeah. And Joseph Parker lands a right hook to the liver. Now, a lot of people seem to think that this was an acting job by Alexander Dimitrico. It could have been. It may not have been. But the point is, he was clearly on one knee. Joseph Parker clearly landed a shot to the liver in clear view of the referee while dude was on his knees based on the rules that warrants a disqualification. If you don't disqualify him, at least give Dimitrico five minutes to recover because it was an illegal blow. Don't count him out as if the fucking blow was 100% legal, okay? We've seen this with Roy Jones Jr. I hated the fact that Roy Jones Jr. got disqualified. I fucking hated it. But they didn't. They didn't uh, uh, hesitate to disqualify him in the same fashion, you know, and the punch was in the same fashion as it was in this fight. He landed two uh, right hooks while uh, Montel Griffin was down. Same thing here, okay? But nevertheless, man, it's a fight that I said that Parker would win and by knockout very easily. Um, I've heard people say, well, well, if that's the case, then let's give him a rematch. There's no need to be a rematch because he'll, he'll knock him out in the first round, you know what I'm saying? 
it's it's a it, it was an easy it was an easy win or an easy fight, an easy game plan for Joseph Parker. I just don't like the fact that we don't hold fighters to the same standard because we may want to see them uh flourish um and in a short time span. You know what I'm saying? It's, I don't know, man. That's just my take on it. All right, let me pass it over to Bernard. Did you get a chance to catch this one? And what were your thoughts about the controversial win? I caught the highlights of it, and um, I didn't. I just I didn't quite understand what was going on. But now that Two K explained it, explained it from from his end and from what he saw, and I could take his word for it because he's a he's a good analyst uh, on on boxing. Um, Parker should have been disqualified if not. Dimitrinko, what's his name? Whatever his name is, he should have yeah, got. Dimitrinko should have got a, uh, at least five minutes to uh, recover from that shot. Uh, bad call by the ref. Uh, if anything to make it up, I think Dimitrinko should get a rematch for that fight, at least. And uh, that's just my opinion on it. On for that, on that note. All right, and uh, let me go ahead and pass it over to Big Cool. Uh, did you get a chance to catch this one? And what were your thoughts? Um, Pretty much, you know, following up on TK's point, really, as far as uh, what are you, what's your take on them trying to rush this Anthony Joshua situation? Look, man, don't need to be no rematch. Marlon Wright was the referee. We know he's a shitty referee. Go back <laughs> yeah. to LeBron right. Wright, Friday versus Lucian Boucher yep. won. Absolutely. So I'm not surprised. I mean, it was clearly he hit him. And I don't know how hard it, it seemed like it was a good, a powerful shot from how he landed it. it, it wasn't he wound up. Yeah, you know, he hit him. And like I said, I wasn't there. I didn't take that liver shot. But I know, you know, I didn't got hit in the liver. It don't feel good to put it like that. So people saying he was acting. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. But the rules are if you hit a man while he's down, um, that's an automatic disqualification. At the least, yeah. a five-minute um, recovery period. We've seen good luck and do that to uh, Lemieux. And I've seen it plenty of times. Uh, uh, and watching boxing, and that's just like, they don't give a fuck about that rule no more. So it's going to take somebody getting killed or seriously hurt for them to, um, you know, actually start to, you know, enforce their rule again. But I, I'm not that impressed with Joseph Parker, man. I mean, he got some good skills. He he has good hand speed. His power, I don't believe it's all there. Uh, that, and I believe he has stamina issues. Um, if you see his fight with Carlos Tucker. He uh, wore down. Maybe that was just his, you know, maybe because it was a big first step up and a lot of pressure was on him. But let him go and fight. For, uh, Joe, uh, damn, got me fucking up like you, EJ. Uh, Anthony <laughs> Joshua. I mean, because I think Anthony Joshua was wipe him out in under three, maybe under six. But, I mean, there's no rematch needed. Uh, Joseph Parker wants the IBF title. And if he's the number one guy, let him get his shot. There's no need to, you know, keep giving him these baby sorry ass fights when he he claims to be ready for uh, Anthony <clears throat> Joshua. All right, uh, Parker. I mean, shit. Did I just miss <laughs> <laughs> Parker. You, you was right. Oh man. All right, man. <laughs> But Parker finds himself in a peculiar situation right now, being uh, you know the number one rated by two different organizations with the IBF and the WBO. Uh, we mentioned this on our previous show, um, and there's been some talks about him fighting Andy Ruiz, and that's as opposed to uh, Anthony Parker or Anthony Joshua. God damn, no. damn. damn. I thought he was number nine by the WBO. <laughs> nah, he's rated number one by the WBO and number one by the IBF. Um, 
But um, I'm, not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that Ruiz uh, and the Ruiz fight brings to the table. Um, I know Klitschko is rated number two by the WBO, but there's still no uh, sure clearance on what's going to happen with the whole, uh, you know, Tyson being stripped or not. So no, no moves have been made on their end yet. And so we'll see and keep our eye out on this situation to see uh, how Parker progresses. But, um, yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, I thought uh, Parker had a, would stand a good chance against Joshua, but just not just not sure anymore, man. I'm starting to lean towards uh, Anthony Joshua in their fight if it does happen because, you know, Parker's pretty uh, – I mean, Joshua's pretty overwhelming as far <laughs> as his early output in fights and, you know, the strength, you know. Parker hasn't, big been guy. In, yeah, Parker hasn't been in there with anybody that big or powerful yet. So um, I definitely am starting to lean towards Joshua if they do actually make that fight happen. Um, that leads us to our next topic. Uh, we had another title fight. Uh, we had Nathan Cleverly taking on Jürgen Bramer in Germany. Boom. You know, in his own... <laughs> In his own backyard, yeah, it came to a very sour ending, uh, as you could tell from 2K's. This is the next fight. In the words of both, next. But, you know, with uh, Nathan Cleverly won by TKO um, due to uh, Bramer having to pull out due to a dislocated elbow injury. Uh, and I believe with the sixth or seventh round, I want to say at the end of the sixth round. End of the sixth. Yeah, 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 end of the sixth. And with the victory, uh, Cleverly claims a, another world title. You know, of course, it being a regular version of the title that uh, Kovalev holds, the super in the division. Um, let me go ahead and run it with 2K again. Uh, your thoughts on the fight and everything that went on? It was pretty pretty weird fight to me. Yeah, you know, uh, it was getting ready to be a robber, in my opinion, man. Um, Nathan Cleverly did exactly what the last guy to beat Jurgen Bramer did, uh, Hugo Hernan Guerrero, who was um, ironically um, the WBA title holder at that time, um, at, at one point in time at 175. He did exactly what he did to beat him, and that's bring the fight to him. Uh, pretty much don't let him, don't allow him the mid-range distance he needs uh, to get off his combination. Uh, Jurgen Bramer has a devastating straight left hand, <clears throat> or, or I think it's a straight right. I can't fucking remember. I don't, even, I don't like this. Straight left. All I know. Straight left. Yeah, straight left. Straight left. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay, he has a devastating straight left hand. That's that's what he's been knocking cats out with uh, for a lot of his career. Mind you, cats that are not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. They're not even B class fighters. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, those those are that's the punch that a lot of those guys want to sleep off of. So if you don't allow him full extension on his left hand, on his straight left hand, uh, the mid-range distance he needs, you crowd him with with punches, and you keep you just you stand his face. He doesn't have good enough footwork to move laterally out of the way. Okay, he tries to do it, but he finds himself off balance. Um, he he only moves forward and back, um, and then when he's not moving, he's just standing there playing it, just throwing combinations, man. So and that's what exactly what Nathan Cleverly did. He just he stayed in front of him. Uh, he, he kept swarming him with punches, kept throwing combinations at him. He was on route to throw, I think, 15, 12 or 1,500 punches uh, by, by the end of this fight if it would have kept going on to 12. And um, I had him up uh, at the time of the stoppage, but the German uh, judge, I don't know if they're German judges or not, but all three judges in Germany, they had Bramer up uh, 58 to 56 
at the time of stoppage, which I think is complete bullshit. Um, but as far as, as far as as far as this fight, man, like first of all, Jurgen Bramer is the the definition of a paper champion, or was the definition of a paper champion. This was getting ready. This was the seventh uh, title defense. If he would have won, and uh, all six of his previous ones were against nobodies. Um, you've got you know the likes of Sergey Kovalev, Adonis Stevenson. You've got you know, uh, Isaac Chalimba, who's always a great challenger, Arthur Biedebiev. you got a lot of guys at 175 that can challenge him, you know, for the rightful shot at the WBA regular title, and he gave none of them the opportunity. Not only that, he stayed in Germany his entire fucking career. So uh, he, tried to, he tried to cherry pick for his seventh title defense against a guy who lost his last fight last year, okay, a guy who's been struggling since he lost uh, the rematch to Tony Bellew, okay, um, and, I mean, the motherfucker just, he lost, and I'm glad he lost. And they're talking about a rematch. I don't want to see a fucking rematch. He's 37 years old. Go ahead and, and fade away into Germany, B. Do what you do. Go eat some fucking, go eat some. He's, eat some he's already a trainer over there, so, you know, you might need to go ahead and pursue that career. Nah, man. Go, go, eat some, go, eat some, go eat some, go eat some, go eat some Smith or whatever the fuck they do over there, man. That's what he needs to do over there. Cause can I, I, can I, I don't want to see him in the ring no more, man. I don't. Hey. What did you have his score, 2K? I had cleverly up by two points. I had it. I had, I had it okay. three, man. I ain't going to lie. I had it 59-55. Uh, cleverly. Cleverly or yeah. Bramer? No. Cleverly. Okay. No. You know, the, the, I was listening to the commentary, and they pretty much had it close to an even fight. So I was like, what the hell were they looking at? You know, yeah, Brandon that was, wasn't I, doing anything impressive at all in that fight. You know, he was landing the straight <laughs> left at times, but like it, it wasn't anything impressive. You know, Cleverly was quicker to the punch and putting his, you know, just throwing out, you know, outworking him. You know, it may have been, may have been pity pat shots, but. You know, he was out working Bramer. You know, that's yeah, absolutely. But you were, what you were setting up a big shot, though, what you were setting up a big shot. Pity pass out, though, he was setting up a big shot. So, yeah, he was, he, he, to me, he, go ahead, Bernard, I'm there. No, that's what I, I mean, that's how, okay, let's, let's, let's base it off what we all know. For people that don't know how to judge a fight or know how to look for a fight, when you're judging a fight or watching it, the boxing criteria is clean punching, effective aggressiveness, ring journalship, and defense. I said cleverly. I based it on what I what I have it scored at three nine fifty five. Cleverly winning that fight at that moment in time. Even though his, his punches were clean, they weren't. They weren't. Like they may have been pity pat punches, but he was setting up for some big shots. He made Bomber fight his fight. So basically, that was his range journey. Exactly. And he was being a, and his his aggressiveness was affected the whole time, and his defense was good too. So, other than I gave Romer the third round, and I will say this, I, I, I had to turn the volume off down because I almost caught myself listening to the commentary who was on bullshit, was giving Romer that fight. I'm being honest, you know what I'm saying, but I will be honest, but for those that don't know how to judge a fight, I'm going to give you all the four criteria again. Clean punching, effective aggressiveness, ring generalship, and defense. Man, I mean, to me, I think clearly, like I said, he was on his way to breaking him down. I, I got that feeling just watching his – just watching, I think, what, the fifth or sixth round, how he was just landing, and he was kind of starting to stop Bramer in his tracks. And you can kind of look on Bramer's face and be like, okay, he's starting to get winded. 
his old bones started to react, you know, not in a good way. But he was landing some hard shots. He was landing that straight left on Cleverly in the second and third round, which I gave him um, yeah. a lot. That's why I had a 3-3. I mean, I'm not not to say that, you know, the way y'all scored it was, was wrong, but it was from my what I was looking at, it looked like, you know, some of them shots were stopping Cleverly. And, you know, his corner was, you know, you don't need to be getting hit that much. But, I mean, I'm glad Bremen lost either because i never seen a fight over to this point, I don't believe. But I always read and heard that, you know, he's, you know, one of those guys that protect that belt by any means. And we don't need yeah, no more, like that. In no more babysitting that belt. The politics, look, look. basically. Babysitting in the politics of Germany. You know, they're, they're able to parlay that shit for years. You know, I'm he kinda, did the, you know, he did the look, man. That's why. He did the same thing when he was the WBO champion. Like, this fight was supposed to happen actually five years ago. Nathan Cleverly was going to fight Jurgen Bramer for the WBO 175-pound title. Bramer didn't want that fight. And that was back when Cleverly was still decent. He was, he was at a better position in his career than he is today. Today, he was damn near on a downward spiral. We were getting ready to say goodbye to Nathan Cleverly, okay? Back then... He was he was still uh, alive. Looked too, at as the you know future. Right, right, right. And Jurgen Bramer turned that fight down and ultimately got stripped. And then that's how Nathan cleverly became the WBO title that he went off to to lose to uh, Sergey Kovalev later on. That shit was supposed yeah. to happen five years ago. I mean, yeah, man, uh, it, hey, one, hey, what, uh, what's the old boy called Abraham four times? One, he, uh, ain't from Germany too, Robert. Stiglitz. Robert Stiglitz, yeah. Stiglitz, yeah. Yeah, that runs, that, yeah, that's that Germany shit because he held on that title. He fought, and he wouldn't have fought nobody. If he didn't fight Abraham that many times, he would have never fought nobody. And yep. That's that German shit way of fighting right there. Also, uh, with that said, we want to say good riddance to Jurgen Bremer and his babysitting ways. Oh, Lock yeah. by, baby. Um, but this puts Cleverly back in position to face the winner of Ward versus Kovalev. And you know, he's in a position for a money grab, so I ain't even mad at the boy. He got ass whooping coming, so that's all, it, that's all it's going to be. But, Damn. You know, congratulations to nothing, Nathan Cleverly on winning his second world title, even though it's a regular, you know, regular belt. But, um, yeah. He's going to show up in Vegas calling them niggas out. That, that's going to be short-lived right there, buddy. That, that can, what's that consolidation hit? But you better try and milk at least an a interim fight between them to get you some money because, uh, yeah, once it comes to consolidation from the WBA, you're a goner, buddy. <laughs> he don't want Sergey anymore, man. That was a beat of, uh, of the worst. Yeah, that's that's really the end of his career right there. He don't need to take any more any more of those kind of knockouts. Um, but that said, that takes us to our next topic. Um, we had a very exciting rematch announced uh, last week. Jezreel Corrales will be re, uh, taking on Takashi Uchiyama in a rematch of their fight in which he won the the belt. Um, at a super featherweight. Um, it looks like it's going to be happening on New Year's Eve as well over in Japan. Um, let me mm-hmm. get your take on this one, uh, Big Who. I'll start off with you. What's your, what's your thoughts on hey, this? Hey, man, you, yeah, man I can't, you put me on the spot, man. I'm familiar with, uh, I think, you know, I can't pronounce the, the name. Not Corrales. Yeah, yeah. Uchiyama. I'm familiar with him, uh, but I'm not familiar with Corrales. But, I mean, 
if, if it's a rematch, I mean, it was a rematch for a reason. So I'm guessing it's going to be another exciting fight. And it's in Japan, so obviously he's the favorite off top just because, you know, he's going to be fighting, you know, in his backyard. But I'm going to have to check out Corrales. But, uh, you know, I look forward to watching the first fight and then seeing the rematch. Uh, you said the day before New Year's? Yeah, it's actually on New Year's Eve, yeah. Okay, okay, so I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, um, looking like uh, well, Corrales was actually in play to face Lomachenko, you know, for unification belt, and I guess when that fell through, uh, this was the next step for him. Uh, let me get your opinion, thoughts on this one, 2K. What's your thoughts about the rematch, and do you see the same possible outcome, you know, occurring? Yeah, I mean, if you if you go back and look at the fight, uh, Jezreel Corrales just he he has his number. Um, the things that Takashi Uchiyama was doing in there that he's always done as a fighter. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of Japanese fans, of course I'm speaking off of speculation here, but I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, Japanese fans were like, why are you doing that? That's not what you do normally. That's not how you fight. It, 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 yes, it is. That's how he fights. And he got in the <laughs> ring with a guy that was a lot better than him at that moment of time. Um, this is clearly, you know, I got to give I got to props to Uchiyama because he got – completely demolished in two rounds against Corrales um, this past April, and he's ready to get right back in the ring with him on his in his next fight. And it's the champion that's in him. I mean, this is a guy that when he went up against Corrales, this was going to be his 12th title defense of the WBA world title. Um, so, I mean, as I, <laughs> props to him, but I see the fight going the same way. It's going to be an ass-whooping. He might last a little bit longer because I, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that his trainer is going to uh, – they're going to watch the tape of the, of the first fight. His trainer is going to make some adjustments in his game adjustments in his game plan to allow him to survive maybe three more rounds, but I still think it's going to be a knockout before the sixth round. All right, uh, Bernard, you got anything you want to add to, or any thoughts you want to add about this rematch? No, no no thoughts, man. Uh, it ended in two last time. No, actually, I'm going to say this. What's what's the uh, fighter's name again? I, even I'm Uchi, Uchiyama. 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 I respect him for getting back, trying to get his get back. And um, I'm just gonna say that's all I can say right there. Uh, I'm going <laughs> going with uh, Corrales to win the fight. I mean, there's, there's nothing else I can say. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, not say it too. I mean, all I can sit there and say is. I hope he. I, I respect him for going in there to get him because he wants his belt back and he wants his get back. Hopefully he can pull it off, but I I, I don't think so. So yeah, it kind of makes you wonder what kind of other factors are at play too. Because like I mentioned, Corrales was in talks uh, the the unify with the um, you know he was in talks to unify with uh, Lomachenko. And, you know, it fell through. So I'm just wondering if it was anything money-wise that was more stimulating him to take this rematch or what, or if this him starting to babysit. Um, one of the things that we need to, to keep track of and pay attention to as the fight draws closer, Corrales has struggled to make 130, you know, and he struggled in, in the, the fight against Uchiyama to make the weight, you know, having to uh, come back to the later weigh-in, you know, weigh-in right. the second time, you know. So that's something to keep an eye on. Like, will he be able to make weight? Will he be stripped on the scales? You know, things like, like that. You know, that's something that I'm kind of concerned with, with uh, Corrales coming into the fight and if it's going to, 
you know, working to detriment against them. So, you know, I'll well, be paying attention to that fight. Go ahead. Let me add something, man. This, you know, there's something that, that I'm looking at. Um, Takashi Uchiyama is a power puncher. We all know that, right? He's 24-0 winning knockouts. And uh, Jezreel Corrala, is a, he's more of a technical guy. He uses, a, uh, uses the range of counterpuncher. Uh, he likes to throw combinations and get up out of there. He's twenty. He's twenty and zero, or twenty and one. Excuse me, with uh, eight KO. Uh, his KO percentage is thirty six. I think Uchiyama, being the guy that he is, went into the ring and said, "Oh, this dude only got a thirty six percent KO rate. He ain't shit." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and walk through his shots to get what I need to get and get this kid out of here. That could have been his thought process going into that first fight. I think the second fight, now that he knows that you can get knocked out by a guy uh, or a woman, right, <laughs> with less than a 40% KO rate, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Again, this speaks to exactly what we were talking about earlier about Cecilia Brackets, man. If you go in there, you're not protecting yourself, and you get hit in the right spot with the right type of uh, power behind that, you will get dropped. I mean, he was dropped three fucking times in the second round. You know what I'm saying? It was like it was like Corella's hits like Coppola. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he really doesn't. So I think was uh, a surprise uh, knockouts of the year, considering the uh, right. Corolla's knockout ratio and Uchiyama's record. You know him was right. being more known as knockout puncher. I That's think he could go into great, the, I think I think he goes into this fight not. I think he goes into this fight not thinking the way he did in the first fight, and it may change the fight a little bit. But I still have Corella's beating him. I still got him beat him. Yeah, uh, Uchiyama's getting up there in age, and Corolla's is just. He's pretty swift in there. You know, he's a fast mover. You know, um, definitely a different style that Uchiyama's not really used to seeing in his other defenses. So, yeah. you know, Corrales definitely has that in his favor, having the youth and speed and uh, the counter-punching abilities. Um, so it's definitely going to be a rematch worth watching, and I'll be paying attention to that one on New Year's Eve. Um, let's see. Uh, that Our next topic is we finally got a – the Jack Cool K and Demetrius Andrade situation resolved, um, which is weird. I'm not sure what's going on here because they actually had a purse bid in which, you know, Sauerland events in Germany won, and they still hadn't come to an agreement. Uh, so somehow they, they finally came to terms after the purse bid, even though, uh, yeah, I'm just – there hasn't been any financials released on it, but according to the purse bid, there's still going to be a 75-25 split, you know, because that's right. how, uh, what is it, the, uh, the WBA does their thing. Uh, so with that said, the fight is looking like it's going to take on November take uh, take place on November 5th now as opposed to October, which everyone was expecting originally. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? I'll go ahead and start it off with uh, you, uh, Bernard. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fight of Demetrius Andre, Andre heading, heading over to Germany to take take this guy on? I think it's a great thing for him to get a, a world title. Uh, a world title, hopefully he wins, which I believe he's going to win with his skill set. Uh, I remember there was an article back that came back a few months ago when he said he won the Charlos and then he won a large. Then when he decided he was going to, he said he didn't want the mess. Then he changed, like he changed his mind. I kind of nobody actually read the article. They all said, "Oh, they started saying he was ducking." No, this is his way of getting to Koke, beating Koke, getting him some kind of leverage to go against the Charlo. Exactly, exactly. And, and, uh, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, he'll, he'll actually he'll actually be mandatory for Lara if he uh, wins this belt because they're fighting for the regular title. So he'll yeah. be Lara's mandatory if he wins. So this is his way of doing it, doing it, and I respect it. I don't think there's nothing wrong. Let's see who's gonna come out with uh, let, uh with the Charlo and uh the Charlo and uh J Rock situation. See who's gonna win that fight. You know what I'm saying? To settle with what he's gonna do next. Boy, hell. He could defend and get say for instance if Charlo was to lose, he could still defend the title and have an, uh, and, and go against Charlo, hopefully beat him and have a name on his resume to put him against the uh, uh Lara. I'm just throwing out scenarios or whatever like that, but I think it's a good Yeah, move. jumping jumping I, in other topics already. Hey, but hey, <laughs> but hey, it, 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 it's still a hundred four fifty four a hundred and fifty four pound division. But that's all I'm saying, but I think it's good. I wish kind of the fight was in the U.S., I'm kind of concerned, basically, because he's going to have to, uh, he said November 5th is where they're pushing the fight. Well, he needs to probably be heading over there within, not this week, but next week, to be training over there to get adjusted with the food and the, uh, the, the, the time and everything like that so he could be ready for that fight. That's my thought. Yeah, Other than yeah, that, I don't have to Man, okay, yeah, this is a, this is this is actually a short announcement. You know, the fight happening just a month after you know they come to terms. So that that's a pretty quick turnaround. So I, I can Man. understand Bernard's uh, thoughts on that one. Um, I'll send it over to you to be cool. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Man, Andre is the best 154 pound in the world. He gonna prove it November fifth. Now he young, so quick turnaround. He need to be fighting three times a year. He should have been. Fought this fight, and you know I understand business-wise, things take time. But I mean, I'm not worried about that. If he performs like he's supposed to, and like we know he can, like he did against Willie Nelson, he should smoke this guy, whether it's a decision or a knockout. We all know he possesses power, speed, athletic ability. You know he can't be clumsy in the ring sometimes. Those big ass feet. But I mean, he's the best 154 pounder uh, in the um, in the world. I expected to knock this dude out easy. I mean, six rounds or less. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if he feel like it. Let me uh, put a spin on this one and ask TK uh, this one. Um, being that, you know, Germany is what it is, do you feel yeah. like Andre has to get the knockout over there to, to get the win against this guy? Yeah, I mean, look here, man. Andre still said it's so superior. This motherfucker don't need a knockout, bro. It'll be a clear-cut ass-beating right in front of all them Germans. You know what I'm saying? Preach. So, I mean, it, it, it he can fuck with this dude for, like, at least four to 12 rounds and still get a clear-cut unanimous decision. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, I, <laughs> nah, man. I think I think he will get the knockout, though. I think he will, and it's just because the way Andre is fighting, the way that he's been talking in a lot of interviews, the message that he's trying to send boxing fans is that, hey, I'm the best motherfucker out here, so I'm about to get all these cats out of here. That's what he did. That's what he said right before he went in there with Willie Nelson. Now, a lot of you cats out there was like, yo, Willie Nelson's a threat. Yo, <laughs> yep. he can do something, B. Yo, that motherfucker, <laughs> that motherfucker, that motherfucker, you see what he did to Tony Harrison? And then after he the fight, it was... Right, and then after the fight, it was, oh, it was Willie Nelson, though. I mean, look who it was. You know what I'm saying? Y'all you know, you know, you know, you know how to tie changes, B. Right. Y'all you know, you know, you know how to tie changes, B. You know what I'm saying? So, 
Before that fight, he was like, I'm going to knock this motherfucker out. He did exactly that after he thoroughly outclassed him. Before this fight against Koke, he's saying the same shit. I'm going to knock this motherfucker out. Then I'm going for Eris Londi Laura. That's exactly what's about to happen. Now, whether he gets the Laura fight, I'm not sure because those guys have been in negotiations two times prior to this, and negotiations have fallen out. So mm-hmm. this, this right here, uh, in response to what, what Bernard was saying earlier, that article that was written, and motherfuckers was like, he's ducking, he's ducking. As soon as that article was written, I said exactly what Bernard said that he agrees with yes, on this podcast. I said, he is doing this to get more fucking leverage. And I said yes, exactly what I just said right now. I said, they were in negotiations two times prior, once in 2014, uh, which they fell out, and it led to the matchup between Jamel and Andre, which didn't happen either. And then again in 2015, in March of 2015, where they were both calling each other out in public, and it fell out again. I said, they've been in negotiations twice, so we don't know what happened in those negotiations, which led to the fallout. All we know is Andre feels, hey, if I'm going to really fight this motherfucker and get my get back from the amateur, then I'm going to need more leverage. And that's exactly what he's doing, and that's exactly what he's going to get coming over there. Easy work. As I mentioned yeah. previously during uh, Bernard's comment, uh, this would make him mandatory um, in a consolidation match against uh, Eris Landelaria if he is victorious against Cool K. And uh, just some interesting thoughts on this one. Um, this is actually another amateur rematch. Um, they had they fought in the amateurs, uh, Andre and uh, Cool K. So it's pretty cool to see that. Who won? Who won? Andre, of course. You know. Um, <laughs> uh, this is uh, one of those things where the fight being on November 5th is the same date as Pacquiao versus Vargas, so it's not going to be televised in the U.S. Right. Um, I'm not sure what kind of if what kind of coverage you're going to see at all, if any. Um, it may be on Sky Sports or something like that, not sure. So, unfortunately, uh, we don't get to see one of the best and brightest fighters out of the states, you know, uh, showcases. So, because he's definitely, like, if, for those of you that haven't seen him, like, this dude is, is for real. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and we're going to get him uh, on the show, too. We're going to get him on the show. Hell, yeah. It yeah, don't matter. I don't got to see the fight as long as he wins, man. As long as he wins. Definitely. And uh, I guess that will swing us to another topic since Bernard threw it out there ahead of time. Um, Thank you, man. <laughs> you want me to get to the topic too as well? J Rock versus Charlo. Yeah, it looks like Jamal Charlo and uh, J Rock Williams have finally come to an agreement. Uh, Stephen Bradman Edwards, of course, we had him on the show um, what, one of our first weeks on, actually. Um, he confirmed this in an interview recently that everything's set to go. Um, they're waiting on the date and venue, but from what I've been told, it's looking like December 19th. Um, uh, I don't even know how I want to swing this to to start off. I guess I'll go ahead and go with Big Cool on this one. Uh, what's your thoughts on this finally actually being done, man? And yeah, what, what, yeah. Just what, what are your thoughts on this just finally being done, them finally coming to an agreement with all, after all the rigmarole that's gone through with the talks and the, the delays as far as uh, you know, with the uh, Charlo's uh, eye surgery previously. What you just said twice, finally, finally it's made. Now hopefully they give Jamal some damn goggles so he don't fuck up his eyes 
I remember Bretman said one more thing, and I let uh, I let Bernard take it. I remember Bretman said one thing. He said, you know, uh, I've had to stop uh, J-Rock from really beating the hell out of a guy because he was really mad at him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he was really upset, and he went in there, and, you know, he knocked him out there. I can't remember the guy. I think he was a Hispanic guy. But he knocked him out, like, in two rounds. He was like, when I watched that, I was like, oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? That type of shit, I don't want to see against Jamal because Jamal yeah, is not yeah. – Jamal is not a C-level fighter, okay? Mm-hmm. He's, he's actually a smart guy. He's got skills that are at par or better than J-Rock. I don't want to see him lose his edge in there. He's got to be smart. But I would definitely be fucking tuned in to this fight now. I can't wait. One of the better fights yeah. this year. Uh, now before I pass it to Bernard, just to piggyback off of DK, emotion is, is your enemy in the ring, you know? So yep. uh, you definitely don't want to have any kind of Especially against a guy like Charlo, you can't have you can't play it the same mm-hmm. kind of way. Um you know, Bernard, knocked out. The, the guy that that brought up the topic early, Bernard. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, first, <laughs> I have to ask the question because they said Charlo had a eye uh, surgery on his eye. Excuse me. It was it wasn't even a surgery. It was like a, a LASIK <laughs> procedure. So it, it wasn't what people thought it was. Yeah, because yeah, cause, okay, because the way it was sounding, because I was about to say, you know, if it wasn't explained, because I, I mean, I followed the man on, you know, on social media, and it, it doesn't look like he was even his eyes was covered. He put nothing over his eye or anything like that. I'm like, because I was about to say, I figured, hey, this is some bullshit. You know, but since the fight is going to happen, oh, I got to, with 2K, I was going to put money on the fight. But uh, <laughs> thanks, 2K. I mean, now I can't. So I'm just going to say I will have to go with the edge of Jamal. Yeah, we ain't had yeah. no prediction, man. We ain't yeah, no man. Prediction. I'm going on prediction. Get that. But I mean, yeah, let's be honest. He is a better fighter. I mean, I, if you, uh, I have looked at Jay Ross, and I've seen he got some, he got the counter punch. He can't box him inside. He can't do a lot of stuff. He's like he, he like Brad Man said, said if he has a show in the dark, hopefully it's like we can't see it. But I'm, I'm, I'm going with Charlo. I mean, if he comes in there, focused and ain't on that bullshit, as I'm noticing that he's doing on social media. Hopefully he can pull it out. So, um, it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup. Um, when I look at J Rock, I see a throwback fighter. Like he's got a whole lot of old school to him, and that's what I, I've liked so much about him. Um, we haven't necessarily seen him box from the outside as much. He's done a lot of closing distance, and you know, punishing his uh, most of his opponents on the inside. Um, as far as Charlo goes, he was a real he was real tentative in the trout fight, and I guess that was due to the counter punching. So that's something I'll be paying attention to in the fight. Is that that's something that's J that's part of J Rock's strategy or not? Because um, Trout definitely hit Charlo with a couple of things that made him think differently about letting that, that yep. big hand go. Yep. You know, um, so it was definitely something to pay attention to. But you know. Um, both of them need to put. I say both of them need to put on the showcase, you know, for J Rock just because this is coming out party against a big guy, and because you know Charlo didn't look so impressive against Trout, and you know, like I mentioned in our interview with Breadman, uh, when I spoke to him in Vegas, you know, interviewed him, he said this fight was gonna pretty much drag out like this because he didn't look impressive, so he pretty much predicted it. 
But, you know, we got some good fights to end out the year. And for all of you guys that don't know or that try to debate me about this shit, 154 is the deepest, most talented division in boxing right now. There's nothing to dispute about it. The best fights that can happen from 154, these guys are going to move up to 160 and have possible rematches. Like, these are – it's just a really talented – division to be in right now and, and keep your eyes out on it because a lot of these guys you haven't even seen yet you know we've only talked about the top tier and the champions but there, there's a lot of cats out there still coming up you know you got 147 guys like Kel Brook talking about going to 154 throwing their name in the hat so I'm like mm-hmm. just pay attention to this division it's going to be hot you know I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Super 6 tournament come out of the 154 which I think Showtime is angling to do since they have rights to all these fighters including Andrade who's on Showtime now so yep. I wouldn't be surprised if the, if that kind of thing takes place with the division that's how deep it is that's how talented and how hot it is um that said we'll go ahead and uh go to our next topic which is uh we had a uh, a fight last night or yesterday evening since they're in the UK. Ricky Burns defended his WBA regular junior welterweight title against a career relic um, over in the UK. Um, he won by unanimous decision. Um, let me get your thoughts on this, TK. I'm not sure if you got a chance to catch it since it was uh, on Sky Sports uh, overseas and all that. Uh, what were your thoughts on the fight, man? Well, uh, my thing is this, man. Ricky Burns has not looked the same ever since he lost to DeJuan Vladikannon um, back in 2014. So I told Cats, man, uh, one of the groups that I'm in, they like to have uh, like a prediction, a prediction thread um, for upcoming fights. And they had one for, you know, this fight. Uh, they had one for Dillian, White, Dillian White's fight and uh, one of the uh, BBC champions over there, BB, BBB up C champions over there, uh, Scott Cardle, his fight. And I had picked, you know, Cardle, White, and Burns to win. Um, I was 3-0, and of course, as I always am. Oh, <laughs> 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 nah, but uh, I had said, you know, with the, with the uh, side statement, I said, don't be surprised. If Krillo uh, 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 Relic uh, goes in there and actually beats Ricky Burns, I have Burns winning the fight, but there's a possibility that this guy can lose this fight. And uh, somebody responded, they're like, well, you know, I, I don't think so. You know, I understand where you're coming from. You know, Krillo uh, uh, Relic has, you know, 21 and 0 with 19 knockouts. You know, he's a big puncher, but he hasn't fought anybody. I'm like, that's true. But if you go back and look at Ricky Burns, he's been on the down slope as far as. Uh, uh, not progression, but, oh, yeah, progression and performance uh, since losing to Dewan Vladikannon. I think, I really think Terrence Crawford took a lot out of him, for one, because at that point in time, he was, he was dominant. Um, and Terrence Crawford went in there in his backyard and thoroughly beat the shit out of him. And then he, yeah. went, into, he went into the fight with Vladikannon right after that and lost again. It was a split decision, but he lost. Um, and then shortly after that, Two fights later, he loses to Omar Figueroa Jr. as well. That was so, a controversial one. He probably won that fight. You know, I yeah, yeah. thought he, he did but yeah, yeah, I agree. And that fight, again, was in Texas. Texas, as we, some of you don't know, <laughs> Texas, does not have a bo- yeah, Texas does not have a boxing commission, so they can do whatever the fuck they want here. You know what I'm saying? So, 
Um, yeah, that fight that fight was clearly a win for uh, for Ricky Burns, but it's still another L on his record, and I feel like it 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 it, it slowed down his performance. That's why I didn't mention that one. I was talking about this Lada Cannon fight more than any other ones, but. Um, so coming into this fight, man, I was not surprised to see him being bothered. I was not surprised to see him uh, being touched too much as he was in that fight. Um, the judges' scorecards were 118, 118, 110, 116, 112 uh, times two. I thought both of those. I thought 116, 112 was okay. 118, yeah, 110. That was a reasonable, reasonable card right there. But the, the 118, yeah. 110, I was like, what the fuck were y'all watching? Yeah, you know exactly. Clearly ridiculous. Um, it, 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 you could have gave a 115, 113. I mean, it was that close. Um, but – He's supposed to fight Adrian Broner. This is the fight that was supposed to happen at 135 that I was waiting on back in 2012. So if it happens now, I will watch Adrian Broner get a nice knockout of Ricky Burns. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Um, let me go ahead and pass this one over to Big Cool. Uh, did you get a chance to catch this one? And what were your thoughts on Ricky Burns' performance overall? I'm going to catch all of the fight. I caught some of it. And what I seen was that I gave uh, Cooley. The first two rounds, uh, he definitely landed some nice shots. He applied the pressure. He had uh, Burns backing up. And like EJ said, Burns just doesn't look like the same guy. Of course, as you continue to fight and, and you were more hittable than other fighters, you're going to have some wear tear quicker, quicker than others. But he's definitely not the same fighter we've seen at 135. And he doesn't bowl well against the upper echelon or against the upper echelon guys at 140. I think Broner would have beat him then. He beats him worse now just because he's more fresher than Burns and he's just a better fighter. And his style is tailor-made for, Burn, uh, for uh, Broner. Absolutely. And it's just a beatdown, man. And he's going to get a good payday. Like you said about making sure be early, he's going to get a good payday to come to, um, to America because you know um, Broner is not going over to the U.K. to risk any more losses because you know, he can't afford it anymore. But I wasn't impressed from what I've seen from Burns and haven't really been impressed since shit. He made no boy stop. He wasn't even impressed in that fight. What was dude that was whooping him? Um, wasn't that Jose? Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Dude quitting the eighth round for whatever reason. And that's when you really started looking bad, even at the height of, you know, his time at 135. But it'll be a good scrap because he's a, you know, gutty fighter and, you know, he doesn't back down. But Broner should you know, TKO if that fight comes through. But <clears throat> yeah, he's definitely on the, the downside of his career. Bernard, take it away, brother. Uh, oh, what are your yeah, thoughts I'll, on this one? You know what? I actually had to. I watched this fight, and I had Burns 115 and Relic 113. Okay. That, that's uh, a good, good score. That. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, because at first, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Um, I actually thought it could have possibly been a draw from watching it. And I'm going to just give you the basis on why. Um, I gave the third round was a swing round to me. But once I believe Burns got relaxed, started to get relaxed in the third round, no, yeah, in the third round, that's when he thought his jab became effective. Relic was uh, constantly switching stances, in which it was bothering Ricky Burns, as you could tell. And he was switching stances as he was cutting Burns off in the ring, which I noticed as well. Um, the eighth round, Rose started dictating the uh, pace of the fight by continuing to um, 
to apply the pressure and cutting off the ring and being effective with it, being effectively aggressive. Uh, he also hit him with a nice left hook in the uh, tenth round. It, it also did some um, nice work to the body. Uh, it, very good fight, very close to call, in my opinion, based on how Reddick was pushing the pressure. Ricky Burns kept really looking to do a lot of counter punching, which I noticed, and he was constantly on the ropes. And I was like, get off the ropes. You know, just wanted him to get off the ropes and kind of engage him more and put the pressure on him. So with that being said, I could see uh, Burns won the fight. I could see Boner knocking Burns out when they do get a chance. And um, that's it, man. Good fight. Kind of hard to uh, go by, but if worst case scenario, I would have uh, said it was a draw, but 115-113 was my score. All right. Uh, with that said, uh, like everyone's been saying, the, the Broner-Burns fight is in play um, with this win. It's even more likely, more likely to happen now. Um, Eddie Hearns actually went on record saying that the the fight is virtually done and it will happen in the U.S. Um, So I'm looking forward to that with uh, Broner making his return to the ring. One thing I can say that this this actually is a better fight on paper than we can realize. You know, I looked at Ricky Burns' last fight and he used a lot of the ring. And to me, I think that's something that Broner – you know, struggles with. He's kind of stationary. If you look at him, you know, his wide stands. Um, so it is definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I definitely think he can knock out Burns. You know, Broner has some real pop for a 140 dude. Um, but just to see how he deals with Ricky Burns' movement more than anything and see if he plays a stalker role. You know, um, Broner has this habit of not letting his hands go either. You know, he makes fights more difficult than they need to be for him. Like, he has all the talent in the world, but he just never seen – he hasn't put it together since DeMarco, you know, pretty much in my opinion. He hasn't put it together since that fight. To me, that was his showcase fight back when he was at 135, and we haven't seen him have another performance like that since, you know. Because um, he moved I'm up the weight. Should have never did that. Yeah. So I definitely would like to see an athletic Broner in there against Burns that uses his feet, kind of like he did against uh, John Molina where he was boxing. You know, that's, right. that's the Broner we need to see in this fight, you know, one that's moving and not caught up in his wide base. You know, that shit's not – there's no good – there's nothing good for him. You know, it takes a, it takes a lot away from him. So, you know, uh, we'll be looking forward to that one actually being announced in, uh, I guess, for December, the way it's looking right now. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we had another uh, fight happen last night. Um, Juan, Juan Francisco Estrada, otherwise known as El Gallo, um, he made his debut at a super flyweight yesterday in a 10-round bout against uh, Ray Tobogan of the Philippines, and he won by unanimous decision. Um, I'm not sure if everybody caught this or not. I may have been one of the few. Um, I was watching it actually via live stream on Facebook, Right. Uh, shout out to Antonio and Fiso for plugging us with that. Uh, even though it cut out a couple times, uh, I ended up having to watch the end of the fight earlier this morning after it was posted again on Facebook. Um, I'll pass it over to TK first. Um, what were your thoughts on this fight and what were your, uh, his debut period at uh, Super Flyweight? Well, I was I was intrigued, first of all, because I thought this was going to be his debut at 115. Um 
go, trying to go after Roman Gonzalez, but this was actually a bantamweight fight. It was a 116 pounds. Um, so maybe he's trying to go after Rashi Warren, and I don't know, but if that's, if that's where he's at, then that's where he's at. But uh, I thought it was uh, it went the way that it should have gone. I mean, this is similar to what Donnie Nietzsche did when, when he went up to 112 and fought Edgar Sosa. It was going to be against a guy. I think he almost got the same fucking record, too, because I know uh, Tug, what is his name, Tabugan, Raymond Tabugan, he had five losses. I think Edgar Sosa had the same amount of losses. Um, this is, it, was a, it was a tune-up fight. Uh, it was a fight where it's like, okay, I'm moving up. Uh, give me this, give me this motherfucker over here, so I can beat the shit out of him and look good, and then I can get the type of fights that I want. Um, and that's exactly what both these guys did, Nietes and uh, Estrada. Uh, to me, he didn't look any different. Um, he won every single round on all three judges' scorecards. He won every single round on my scorecard as well. Um, I mean, he he was classic Juan Francisco Estrada. I, I think uh, one thing I do think is the I think 116 is not the weight for him. Um, I don't want to see him in there against the likes of uh, uh, Juan Carlos Tejano. Uh, that dude might fuck him up pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, okay, um, did not, I got that wrong. So this was actually uh, so this was a junior bantam fight. It wasn't at a, it wasn't a 115. No, and that's you're not wrong. And the reason why you're not wrong is because. He's been saying that he's going up to 115, okay, because he was supposed to go after Roman Gonzalez in a rematch, but this fight was actually at bantamweight within the 118-pound yeah. limit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so it, that's what I'm saying. We don't. I don't. If he's gonna stay there, I don't like that weight for him. I don't. I think no, Rashi Warren. I think Rashi Warren beats the hell out of him. Juan Carlos Tejano beats him. Jamie McDonald may beat him. I think and my boy Anselmo Moreno, you know what I'm saying? He might come back and beat him. You got Shinsuke Yamanaka who just knocked him out. He may beat him. So I, I like him better at 115. Maybe that's where he might go back down to uh, and, and make a debut there. I don't know. But if it's at 116 or, or at least in the 118 uh, uh, weight limit, which is bantamweight, I don't like him there, man. Not at all. But he's yeah, able to good he's, in this fight. You got to keep in mind that he's been on a year layoff, so they they might have, you know what I'm saying, might not have wanted done, done the weight cut or nothing like that. So that that could be something to factor in with this being his first fight in a year. So yeah, another way to look at it. Um, Bernard, did Cooley, did you get a chance to, to catch this one? I watched the fight. Uh, I didn't say it was a full sweep. I gave... Supergon, the, the second round, so it was like 99, the 91, Estrada. Um, Estrada did what he was supposed to, again, was supposed to, Estrada worked the body in the uh, first half of the fight, just raining left hooks to the body. I just could continue to work. Then after, in the first half, in the second round, he just started tagging him. You could tell Supergon was tired. He was, he was, he he tried to come in a little spurs, but it wasn't doing anything. He was, uh, that led to Estrada, uh, Estrada, uh, doing counter-punching, and he stuck to his game plan and won. I thought he could have got him out of there, but it is what it is. He did what I'll he was supposed to do. I'll definitely touch on that part, of Bernard. Uh, let me pass over to Big Coop first and see if you got any thoughts on this one as far as Estrada being fighting that 118 or the 118 weight limit for this. I agree. Well, if he's going to fight at 118, I agree with uh, EJ. He, 
you don't want no problems with those guys up there. Rasheed Warren beats him, and the other guy, he said, beats him. But he looked good. I mean, especially, you know, coming off of a, a year layoff, he looked good. Looks, you know, fast, powerful. He did work the body, threw some uppercuts, uh, you know, the head shots. I mean, he looked good. I don't know how much more he has left in the tank. I don't see him being, you know, being able to sustain the type of success he had at 112, at 115, even though I think he'd be way more competitive. But uh, he looked good. The guy was uh, countering with some overhand rights. But other than that, man, you know, it was a great performance, you know, for a guy that was coming off a year-long layoff. So, you know, props yeah. to him. And hopefully uh, he goes back to 115 and, and fights where he belongs instead of trying to reach for guys as much bigger and, and, and better than him um, at this point in his career. Um, You know what? I was actually surprised the uh... – to see that he had some pop at that weight class. Like, you know, he had to uh Bugan hurt a couple times, you know, and like I like uh Bernard was saying, like he looked like he could have put him out a couple of times. Uh so I was surprised to see that he had some kind of pop in there at that weight division, you know, making that jump, you know, in just his first debut, you know, and it's been a year. Um, you know, I was impressed with his hook. His left hook was the key to that whole fight, you know, the left hook to the body and the left hook up top. Um, he used, utilized that real well throughout the fight, and, you know, he definitely swept it to me. I had it, you know, a unanimous decision, you know, him winning all 10 rounds. Uh, as far as his weight class issues, um, he definitely needs to be at 115. Uh, I don't see him having much success at the 118 weight limit against guys like Payano and uh, Rashi, you know, Nukem, Duke Nukem, as I call him. Um, yeah, he's pretty much the cream of the crop. I think he could get with a guy with, like McConnell just because he's good at cutting off the ring and he throws a lot of effective body shots, which, you know, that's something that could wear on McConnell in their fight um, and affect his pace. Um, but he does need to go to 115 and, you know, focus on the guys. Like, I, I would love to see him against the Carlos Quadras. You know, that would be an amazing fight to see. Um, but that said, um, he did injure his right hand again, so it's going to be interesting to see how that affects his, his comeback. Um, he was scheduled to fight again in December, but, you know, with him injuring that right hand again, that may be um, out of bounds and not happening at the moment, so he's going to get evaluated by a, a doctor and see if it's okay for him to, to, to push on with that fight. But, you know, boxers with these hand issues, you definitely got to – prepare for him and take him carefully, you know, um, so he may not need to rush back in uh, the fighting in December, you know, even though he's been out for a year. Get that hand together, man, and, you know, start doing the Gary Russell route as far as, you know, using the bigger gloves during training, you know. that That's one of the things Russell, Gary Russell Jr. has done, and that has allowed him to go for knockouts in his more recent fights because he's not using smaller gloves during training. He's using bigger gloves you know, 20-ounce gloves during training, you know, the word he could he'd save his hand for the actual fight time and be more aggressive and set down on his punches come fight time. So um, with that said, we'll go ahead and go to our next topic. Um, this is pretty explosive news right here. I'm actually excited for this one. Um, Eddie Hearn making moves, man. Uh, Matchroom boxing. 
signed Luis King Kong Ortiz, or it looks like it's about to be finalized shortly. Um, mm. Let me get your thoughts on this, TK. I know you probably got some interesting perspective you want to throw out there. What do you think about him signing uh, with Eddie Hearn and what it, its implications going to be for the heavyweight division? You know, it's uh, it's it's there's something different actually. Um, I don't do much research into, you know, who promoters are signing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know of a Cuban fighter of his magnitude that has signed with a UK uh, boxing promotional company. Um, so that right there in itself is something new to me. Um, there probably is Cubans or other uh, nationalities signed with Matchroom. I don't fucking know. All I know is there ain't no Cuban that fights like a Luis Ortiz, his caliber, uh, coming out of Matchroom right now. Um, and this sets up opportunities for fights in the U.K. against great fighters. Dillian White, uh, he's not great, but he's a, he would be a good fight for um, Luis Ortiz. <laughs> Yeah, let me let me let me back that shit up. Let me back that shit up a little bit, you know. <laughs> but that's that's a good fight for Luis Luis Ortiz, and of course the big one. You know, we got Anthony Joshua. That's a that's a fight that uh, I don't think anybody would be like, what the fuck did they make this fight? With? Everybody's gonna want to watch that shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Luis Ortiz is my favorite heavyweight right now. I think he's the best heavyweight out there. I think he beats anybody, um, and that includes very Yeah, that includes Tyson Fury when he's not. You know what I'm saying? bipolar and suffering from depression and shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He's not sniffing the coke. He's not on that white girl. <laughs> cocaine you know what <laughs> Cocaine Word up. Word up. I mean, so I, I think he's the best one out there. Um, and, I, man, dog, this is – I still think um, maybe uh, signing with Al Heyman uh, would have been a good move as well. But I think this is just as equally as good because – uh, Al Heyman and, and Eddie Hearn do they do business together? Um, as we I posted not too long ago, Al Heyman went over to Eddie Hearn and was looking for a welterweight for Danny Garcia, and Eddie Hearn threw out some whack ass nigga named Sam Eggington. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so that's that's proof right there that they do business together. Uh, so. So yeah, of course, the Burns with... and Broder matchup, that's in of the course. works now. That's another matchroom PBC matchup that that's of course. like it's going to happen. And then you guys, you remember Dominique Brazil uh, for Joshua. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Joshua, so, yeah. And, 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 and uh, Charles Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the list keeps going and going and going right, and going. Right, right, <laughs> right. We can keep going with that. So the point is they do business together. So it doesn't matter if he would have signed with Al Heyman or if he would have signed with Matchroom we'd still be able to get the, the, the fights that – or the, the matchups, um, the best possible matchups, and put it that way, in the heavyweight division. This is a good move. I like it. All right. Uh, let me swing it over to you, Big Cool. Let me get your thoughts on it. And this is a great signing, great news. Um, all roads lead to either Joshua or Wilder. That's what, you know – and it just made Showtime stronger. It really did, and it just weakened HBO, who now, you know, they had the champion. Fury, but Fury, like you say, he can't stay off of whatever he's on. He's got mental issues, mental health issues. So that leaves them in limbo um, in terms of the heavyweight division. And Showtime yeah. just won up them. I mean, because they were already trying to aim for a Joshua Wilder show, uh, you know, fight. And I'm guessing sometime late 2017. And now you throw Lewis Ortiz in the mix. And I don't know what Vladimir's uh, contract is with 
Um, HBR, I think he HBR, has yeah, I'm not sure. Fight. I'm not sure if he's still with HBR or not. That's something I need to look up to. I was I was wondering the same thing actually. Actually, um, yeah, but like in terms of fights, I mean, he could fight Derek Chisora, even though that's not a you know Derek Chisora is now a gatekeeper, but still, it'll be a good fight for him to stay busy. A, fight. A, a, a bigger fight coming open. You got David Hay, you got yep. uh, Dillian White. You got Wilder, like I said. You got maybe Brian Jennings if he's not with HBO. I mean, they already fought. Yeah, did they fight? Did Brian Jennings and Ortiz fight? I think they did. Yeah, he knocked him out. He knocked Jennings yeah, out. Yeah, he knocked him I mean, out. Seventh round, seventh round. I mean, you got uh, Ruiz, you got Stavern. I mean, you got a lot of the heavyweight division is deep. You got Paul David Brown. Price. Well, shit, that's easy. Victory. Don't say that. I guess he can, he can fight, he can fight uh, Price in. Robert, uh, how you pronounce Hellenius or whatever the dude from Germany? Uh, Hellenius, yeah, Robert Hellenius. Yeah. Uh, he can fight both of them at the same time and get that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like I said, this is a win for uh, Hearn, Ortiz, and Showtime in the heavyweight division in general because, you know, you know, you got three of the best heavyweights on, you know, on your network, Wilder, Joshua, and Ortiz. So, you know, it's a good thing for boxing, and hopefully these fights get made. Her going to have a pretty big problem on this hand, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, making that fight, and not in terms of, you know, bad for us, but just because, you know, his loyalty is to his fighters. But, you know, he got a special place in his heart for his, his um, young line, Anthony Joshua. So we'll right. see when the time comes, how they make that fight. Uh, come to fruition. Uh, yeah, or, if they even, or if they make that fight happen. Um, I don't think he want to lead the lamb to slaughter. Um, yeah, Ortiz, Ortiz is Not really now, well. not now, but, you know, he had to get some assurance Ortiz did from her, for him to sign. Right. He's just not going to do that again because Ortiz is not the smartest guy when it comes to making business decisions. He had to get some assurance that, you know, if I sign with you, a fight with Joshua, you know, will have it sometime down the line. Because he would have been on you talking about his Cubans. Oh, don't worry about it. I got something for him. I got something for that. The truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. You got anything you want to add uh, add on to your thoughts or anything you want to say about the signing by uh, Eddie Hearn? Yeah, actually I do. Um, I would have to disagree (laughs) with 2K on something that he should have signed with Al Haven. No. I don't think he should have sat with Al Haven. I didn't, hold on, hold on, hold on. You did, hold on, you disagreeing on something I didn't say. I didn't say that. I said, oh, I said, he, I said he could have, but I still oh, you think this is a good decision. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, I apologize for that, bro. I apologize for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, anybody, gonna, no, no, let me go check this chat box to see what y'all really talking about afterwards. <laughs> 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 No, let me say this. Let me say this. I'm glad he didn't sign with Al Haven because if he would have signed with Al Haven, he would have got the hate as well. The hate. I'm sorry. The hate. So with that being said, I think it's a good move. We are Louis Ortiz already has a U.S. fan base. Now you're bringing him under Eddie Hearn's promoting uh, national promotions. Now he could get a U.K. fan base. Now there's more eyes watching him and seeing him. So now they're going to want people that watch his U.K. fights and U.S. fights, U.K. fights as well, U.S. fights, they're going to want to see some potential matchups. Um, actually, I was kind of shocked that this got done quick because, if you notice, Louis Ortiz left Golden Boy in late August. So HBO did not just take a hit. 
Golden Boy as well by losing uh, a, a top heavyweight. And Let's keep in mind, there's still no network necessarily involved in this one. Um, you know, we did see Kell Brook on HBO lately, and he's also in Matchroom, so you know we're not sure the network implications yet. But most likely, considering Joshua's exclusively signed to Showtime now. Um, it may be, you know, it may follow suit, you know, especially with Wilder being also signed to Showtime. It, it, it makes the most sense, you know. I don't see unless him he, going to HBO for man. anything. With those uh, unless he fight Fury. I mean, not Fury, but uh, Vladimir, just because he wants that Yeah, fight. and, you know, Klitschko ain't got no belt, you know, so that's the only way HBO probably going to fuck with him, you know, if he get that title, that WBO shit. So but, he ain't um, really calling no shots. Okay, but with Tyson Fury situation and him possibly either retiring, this retirement or whatever he's going through, like that. Matt, uh, Eddie Hearn lost one heavyweight to gain another heavyweight. So not only did you gain another heavyweight, you gave the uh, WBA interim champion. So with whatever goes on, hopefully with the WBA and that belt, if they decide they choose to vacate that belt, uh, have um, Fury vacate that belt. With, with the situation going on, there's a potential chance for Luis Ortiz to get a, a world title under him, and he'll be a world champion as well. So it's a lot of uh, pros to the situation. I don't see really any cause with the situation. So that WBA heavyweight situation is a fucking mess right now. They supposed yeah. to have a damn tournament for that shit a long time ago. Ortiz is a First bid with a uh, what's old boy? I can't even think of who you supposed to be fighting, but it didn't you go down. You stuff ain't Alexander. You no, Ustinov. Ustinov. Yeah, you know that shit ain't going down. Uh, like it's not looking like it's gonna happen. So I don't, I don't know what the WBA is gonna do about this situation with that belt right now, and plus the interim regular. It is too much shit going on with the I, WBA, especially within the heavyweight division. I also think that her son Ortiz to kind of protect him from Vladimir because we we just don't know which Vladimir is going to show up because they was talking about him and Joshua, and I think when he think about that at night before he go to bed, he's like, no, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to risk that with Joshua right now. So if I can, you know, finesse Ortiz to sign with me and who a guy who can beat Vladimir right now, I give him that shot. I don't think Chris takes that fight. I don't see Chris yeah. taking the fight against uh, Ortiz personally. Yeah, I, not, I think that's just the way Hearn was maybe thinking because, you know, he still got that, that Parker fight as the mandatory lingering, and then he can get a Burma Severn and then a little Fury cousin or whatever was trying to fight him. So, he, I mean, I think yeah. he was trying to look out for uh, both fighters, and I think that it's a win-win because I think Ortiz beats Vladimir right now and, and <laughs> Joshua beats Parker. So you have two legitimate champions, heavyweight champions in his stable or titleists. And uh, so I'll go ahead and add in my, my little thoughts on this. Um, you know what? This is probably the best move that Ortiz could have made. Um, yeah. Like, I, I I wouldn't say signing with Al Heyman would be a good thing right now, um, just considering the complaints we've been seeing or just the, just certain things you've been hearing about the inactivity of fighters as far as that's what's been being put out there. Um, so I think him going to match room, we're going to see him active, which he needs to be at age 37. Like, he needs to be fighting. He don't need to be taking time off. Uh, you got to think it's not only UK implications, all the other overseas heavyweights over there, like, uh, you know, Kubra Pulas and stuff like that. You know, he could get fights made in the UK easily or overseas in general. 
um, you know, dealing with Eddie Hearn. So it, it was probably the best situation for him, I think. Um, with that said, it's looking like he's going to be fighting in November. Um, at least that's what was put out there um, in the article. <clears throat> and he should be making his debut in the U.K. shortly thereafter, but no opponents are actually being mentioned. But he may be on the Anthony Joshua undercard. That's the only thing that was put out there as far as him you know, start, uh, getting his next fight. Um, that leads us to our next topic. Uh, we got a fight going on this weekend. Not sure how interested you guys are, are in this one. We got Pretty Ricky Collin, a.k.a. Tony Bello, the WBC Cruiserweight champion, taking on B.J. Flores this weekend. Um, I'll go ahead and swing it over to our breakdown analyst. Um, how do you see this fight playing out, brother? Yeah. Well, I want to say one thing. I, I, I'm thoroughly upset with y'all, you know, um, disrespecting my man. Robert Hellenius, a.k.a. the Nordic Nightmare. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. I'm here for I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but, <laughs> nah, but, <laughs> nah, but uh, man, this, this, the only thing I'm going to say about this is B.J. Flores stay getting second chances, bro. I mean, he this is a guy that, I mean, he loses interim title fights. I mean, he loses international title fights or IBO title fights. I mean, he He's always getting opportunities to do something, and he and he loses the opportunity. Um, I think he's a – at one point I thought he was a good fighter. I thought B.J. Flores was going to be that next dude. You know, he, ra- he racked up all these fucking minor alphabet titles, NABA, you know, WBA, fetal Latin, cruiserweight, NABA, <laughs> USA. You know what I'm saying? IBA, the fucking NBA which I didn't even know they still had the NBA because that shit used to be the WBA back in 1921. I didn't even know know they had that shit anymore, but he was a champion of that. You know what I'm saying? So I thought at one point he was going to be the dude at Cruiserweight um, (laughs) until he he walked into Danny Green. You know what I'm saying? And and Danny Green thoroughly whooped his ass in 2010. It wasn't a close fight in my opinion, and I don't think the Australian people thought it was a close fight either, judging for the some scorecards they had put in. So, um, on the other hand, Tony Bellew, man, it's the guy that um, he did the right thing moving up to Cruiserweight um, after getting knocked the fuck out by Don Stevenson. He said, fuck it, I'm going to Cruiserweight. You know what I'm saying? It's your yeah. division. I ain't got to worry too much about niggas like Adonis Stevenson or Sergey Kovalev where I'll never be a champion ever again. So I'm going to go up to this division where ain't too many motherfuckers in there and I could possibly be champ again. And that's exactly what happened. He became the WBC champion. Um, I think this is a, a good fight for Bellew because he's taking on one of the weaker guys in the division. Um, but this will – he's still on the map. Like, you had uh, Alexander Usyk calling him out. Um, you've had Gregory Jizoid talking about him. Uh, he's on the map, and he's actually ranked on the on – the, uh, as one of the top 190, what is it? What's the limit? 200-pound fighters. Yeah, 200 pounds. That's their limit. So he's ranked as one of the top 200-pound fighters. I mean, I think he's number four. So uh, getting to a point man, for Bellu that there's, there isn't going to be anywhere to hide. Um, so I, I think this is a good fight for him. I think he beats B.J. Flores. Um, I think B.J. Flores is has been – Don't give him no respect, man. Don't pronounce his name yeah. right, B.J., man. Fuck uh, – 
ain't gonna say this, but I, don't, I, I ain't hot, man. Yeah, he he, he he's he's been. I think he's been washed up, man. I think he should um after this fight, if he loses this fight, I think he should go ahead and pursue full time his um commentating career. Even though oh, he shouldn't do that either. either. Yeah, I'll he shouldn't do that either. That either. But, <laughs> hey, that's, 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 that's wrong. That's just wrong right there, man. That's, 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 that's both of his careers. He talked talk about like, fighters like he had to something. The way he would do something like that. We can see you supposedly do stuff the way these fighters you can call the fights um, should do. I mean, he's he an underachiever, man. Baloo yeah, should is. win. I don't like hearing him commentate. I don't like watching him fight. He always crying robbery. Every time he yeah. lose clearly, I mean he a joke, man. I don't, I don't like I said, I don't have too much good things to say about him other than I respect yeah. him because he steps in the ring and some I haven't done, so I give him that respect. But as far as a fighter, he's an underachiever. He's gonna lose again, and I yep. hope he loses. God, if he win, we ain't gonna never hit the end of it. I went to the UK, <laughs> I did this. Ooh, you know I'm the best cruiserweight. Shut your ass up. Don't even. I don't see why PBC even hired his ass for real because. He's horrible at fighting and commentating fights. So, man, Bernard, you can take it. Let me farm, let man. me let me say let me say this real quick. This motherfucker not even ranked as one of the best 200 pound fighters. I mean, they got old ass they got old ass Ferret Arsland ranked over his. I mean, Ferret Arsland is like 40 years old, and this nigga lost like 18 fucking times. I'm I'm tripping. He's lost eight times, but that's that's equivalent. And, you, know, you know what I'm saying? His and most can... recent fight was at heavyweight. I actually remember interviewing him uh, with the week of the, the Charlo um, Trout fight, Arizland Dilara, Venice uh, Matarosian rematch. Uh, recently, you interviewed who? Interviewed him. Uh, BJ Flores. His most recent fight was actually at heavyweight. So kind of crazy. Too? Yeah, yeah, it was on uh, oh, shit. Yeah, oh, shit. you know. Yeah, so y'all putting 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 me in a line of fire over there talking all that shit. You ain't saying nothing. Hey, you not saying nothing, man. I ain't trying to interview him. No disrespect, but I mean, like, <laughs> man, he ain't he ain't really. I mean, somebody's just not your cup of tea, man. I'm pretty sure y'all got fighters y'all don't like either, but. I mean, I just don't think he's a uh, fighter, man. Sorry to sorry to cut you off, Tito, but go ahead and go ahead and finish off. Oh no, I was just saying. I mean, it's. He's still fighting at cruiserweight. Yeah, his last fight was at heavyweight, but he's moving back down to cruiserweight. And before that, he had a fight uh, against Bibas Shumanov at cruiserweight that he lost. So I mean, he's, I mean, he's, you know what I'm saying? He's, 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 he's the fucking fight that would have put him on the ranges, but he lost. So yeah, he, he, you know what, man? This this is my thing. This is my thing. I'm around a lot of fighters myself, and I still don't give a fuck about what I had to say. I'm gonna tell the truth. You know what I'm saying? If you not. Mm-hmm. You're not as good as you think you are, then I'm gonna be the motherfucker that said, and we can talk about it on the side if we need to. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not gonna. Basically, what we're saying is Bijay Flores is ass, man. He like mm-hmm. he like what uh Bramer was fighting throughout his career. That's what he is, man. For real, like yeah. this level. Real talk, man. I hope you're listening so we can he can come on and explain why he feels differently. Yeah, I want to say something. I want to say something. Because I got respect for Twine, you my bro in this in the movement. I hope BJ Floyd wins because I don't want to. I don't want to see you catch a left or a right for him when he try to interview him next time. Twine, I'm for real though. 
Yeah, I ain't worried about that. Um, you know, the only thing I can say is in uh, that's in BJ's floor. BJ's uh, shit. Uh, advantage in this fight is that Bellows not as much as a mover as a uh, Shumanov was, and that was what gave him trouble in that fight. So Bellow would be a lot more stationary and in his face. So if he loses he this one, he just really ass. You know what I'm saying? But he already lost Bellow's gonna be there for him. He lost for one because he's fighting in the UK. For two, Bello better fight it. So, I mean, get ready to hear the excuses, man. So, yeah, you know, like the, the, the fight in the fight against Human Office, you know, it was the movement and all that shit. So, that there ain't no excuse for him in this fight. You know, Bello's going to be there for him. He just needs to go out there and perform. And, like you said, he's gotten a lot of chances already. You know, um, how he's getting this after his last fight being that heavyweight, I have no idea. You know, yeah. uh, we won't call it a money grab, but let's just say thanks to Al Heyman. You know, he, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Steve Cunningham could have got this fight. Hey, Steve Cunningham yeah. could have got this fight, a former champion. Yeah, that is true. But, um, you know, we'll keep an eye on that. And, you know, that's probably like the biggest fight happening this weekend. There's another fight going on that's in the lower classes, but, uh, I don't know if TKT or TK want to uh, talk about this one or not. Let me see. Uh, Gan Lopez against Pedro Rivera in their rematch for the WBC title. Um, what, what, what can you tell us about these guys, uh, TK? I'm not sure. I, I didn't, didn't watch all 17, but the, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know that fight was even on the docket. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that was a rematch for that. Yeah, that says uh, October 15th. Um, I mean, Pedro Guevara is a good fighter, man. Uh, he's <clears throat> he's currently right now, what, the WBC champion, I believe? Yeah. Um, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's I think he's ranked as one of the best flyweights in the world right now. Uh, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, I think he's on the list, though. I think he's, like, number 10 or something like that. I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, he's, a, he's an excellent fighter. I think he wins this fight. Um, the guy, the guy that he's fighting. You said it's a rematch. Yeah, yeah. See, I got a dude on here. Um, I got him fighting a guy named um Jerry Tamogden. Um, that's his next fight, Pedro Rivera. So, I don't know. I don't know about the other fight being on the docket. I know October fifteenth, he's fighting Jerry Tamogden. Uh, this isn't a this isn't a rematch. Um, it's it's going to be the guy, it's going to be him defending his WBC title against this guy who uh, is pretty much a, a tune-up fight in my opinion. Jerry Tamogna is not a very good fighter in my opinion. Um, he was at one point in his career, but um, as he stepped up, I mean, he's, he's he's been getting his ass beat. So, I don't know, man. Pedro Guevara, man, he, he's a good fighter. I just don't think that... Um, that he can beat the likes of Donnie Nietzsche's, um, um, well, Juan Francisco Shana left, but Donnie Nietzsche's, I think, uh, you know, a guy like uh, John Rook Casamero, he'll give him some problems. I don't know, man. I, I'm going to tune into this fight, but I think he, I think he's going to be dropping that belt pretty soon, man. Yeah, we got some other good fights that are happening on the low this weekend, but they won't be televised in the States. Uh, you know, Tevin Farmer's fighting in the little stay busy fight as well as uh, Mike Yes and Reed. Uh, so I'll be uh, trying to pay attention just to see the outcomes of those since I can't view them. 
Yeah. Uh, they, they won't be televised or anything, but those are some of the, the guys I like that are on the rise right now. Um, Mike Reed and, uh, of course, Ted the Farmer. Um, that said, we'll go into our UOENO segment for the week. Um, on this day in 1993, Nigel Benn defeated Chris Eubank, uh by a 12 round <laughs> decision for the WBC Super Middleweight title. Um, they would go on to have a rematch in which Eubank would win in the rematch, but uh, definitely one of the one of the better fights back in the day. Um, legendary fight in the UK. Um, yeah, but they definitely had a great series of fights. But, um, you know, big up on that day. Nigel Benn, uh, his son Connor is fighting uh, right now, coming up in the UK uh, in the ranks as a prospect. Uh, I want to say he's still, you know, within his first couple of fights, actually. He just started turn pro, uh, I want to say, this year. Yeah, so, yeah, um, he did. No. All right. Um, and that brings us to a, to our final blow for the week. Uh, big cool. <laughs> Remember what we've been seeing. You know, we saw a lot of fights this year. 
you know, people throw in stuff like, you know, uh, Kathy Duva was successful on NBC. Technically, no, she wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the best fight I've seen on any of her cards was probably low-key was uh, Fred Cassie versus Amir Mansoor, and that might have been a TBC fight at the same time. I'm not even sure. But I know, uh, like, Kovalev was only on NBC once, I believe. That kind of hand on Mansoor is good. Mansoor. Yeah, okay, so that was one of her events as well? Yeah, yeah, you know, Steven was uh, with her, and, you know, he might have been with her, yeah, okay. but, you know, yeah. I yeah, just think, so, I you know, like, like, there wasn't much successful on, you know, you got to think in, in hindsight, like, I grew up watching Tuesday Night Fights on USA. Like, I would go to sleep yeah, know, yeah. elementary school, yeah, you know, yeah. before elementary school. Like, I would fall asleep to that shit in elementary school, you know, yeah. uh, essentially Al Heyman has revitalized that with his toe-to-toe Tuesdays. You know, we're seeing prospects against each other, undefeated prospects at that, you know. Um, so just, just give it some time, support it. You know, if you're really a fan of boxing and you said you like ESPN Friday Night Fights because you got to see prospects coming up, then why the fuck ain't you watching toe-to-toe Tuesdays? Because it's essentially the same thing. You know, it's on Tuesdays, you know, um, TBT on uh, ESPN hasn't been as active as we would like, but, you know, they still have some dates coming up, and we'll see if they push those in 2017. You know, it's still too early to tell. But, you know, pretty much from some reports, we've been seeing that TBC is going to have a lot more stuff going on in early 2017, uh, you know, to avoid uh, – conflict with a lot of the other sports that are popular right now. You know, you got college football season, NFL football season, and basketball about to start, and fucking the World Series coming soon. So, you know, yeah. why put yourself in that line of fire? Um, we've, we've seen some things change as far as the PBC model this year, so just give it some time, you know, and I'm kind of glad we've seen those changes, such as going having head-to-head dates with the other promoters. That shit ain't good for boxing in general, you know. Like I said, I'll criticize and be fair about everything because that's just how I am. Like, I didn't like the way TBC would do that kind of thing in the first year. We haven't seen that this year. So just one of the changes we've seen to make it a better model and better product. People know what it is, Twan, man. They know they know what it is, and they got no valid reason to be hating on that. You know, why do you think we got Friday night fights just on Fridays? Because, you know, if you put it on Monday or any other time, it conflicts with football and other things, so you know, the lack of PBC fights is just that reason. Boxing isn't where it used to be, so it's not. It doesn't have a chance to, you know, compete. And I never look at ratings anyway. I just look for a good fight, you know, between the best guys. Yeah, fights. So I'm yeah. just really paying and attention. That's, to that's what we need to get away from. As boxing fans, we need to stop worrying about the the reports of viewership and shit like that. At the end of the day. We're we're watching the sport, not the fucking ratings and the advertising money. That shit ain't got nothing to do with us. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that that's just my, my uh Yeah, you know, that shit didn't come into play until the last couple of years and you know, we'll 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 do a, a show about that. I'm we're we're gonna try and get some media some actual media guys, you know, uh the guy that runs our website, hoopjab dot com, Neil Johnson, he's gonna come on and I'm trying to pull P- uh, Lance Chiefmeyer, you know, one of my favorite writers right now, just to talk about some of the things going on in media and just to get their their thoughts on it. So we're we going to put that together and bring that to y'all real soon. Uh, with that said, that brings us to the conclusion of our show. Uh, for my co-host, we got 2K from the Guys of Boxing Talk. 
Uh, we got Bernard holding it down for the truth and facts about boxing. You know, Bo couldn't be here. Save travels, brother. You know, we'll see you next week. And we got Big Crew from Colossal Boxing Talk. And I am Twine B. Liberty, a.k.a. The Divinity. And together we are the movement. See y'all next week. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.